everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio. You know we love our music. And uh, for those of you that were listening on Spotify or on YouTube, uh, that was Savoy Brown. That was Blues All Around, the title track to the newest and latest album of Savoy Brown. And sadly, this was the last album that the amazing guitarist Kim Simmons put together with his band. And I encourage you to go to the website Savoy Brown. Dot com. Today we're really excited to have Garnet Grimm here, who's a drummer and percussionist, and Pat DeSalvo here, a bass player. Uh, both of them are on the show, so I'm going to introduce you each. Uh, Pat, how are you? Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, I'm very good. Thank you. I think Hello. we're both on our we're on our same planet. <laughs> yeah. in, I'm down in, on Earth. I'm yeah, well, you, you, you're going to drive us there. You're <laughs> going to get us there, Garnet. Welcome to the show. Garnet, uh, tell us about how you first connected with Kim. Uh, I first connected with Kim in uh, 1999, and I was invited to do a recording with Kim uh, outside of Savoy Brown. It was a solo project. And uh, I was sort of surprised that day when I got to the studio. Um, Pat was there. And uh, we all did that recording together, and we a uh, couple of things came out of that day. Uh, one was uh, we started, uh, you know, a friendship that day, all three of us actually. And uh, um, there was a recording that ended up coming out of that day called "Blues Like Midnight." It was a acoustic record that Kim did, and uh, so uh, we got to be friends, played around a little bit with that, and. Um, it wasn't until about 2008 that um, uh, Kim's bass player at the time was having health issues, and um, Pat was invited to do some gigs to cover for that. And I'm going to let Pat take over from here. He can take over the story. <laughs> so um, I went on the road with Kim in 2000. Yeah, I think 2008, 2009. And it was about a three, three or four week tour. And when the tour ended, Kim asked me if I could uh, pursue it and do it full time with them. Um, I had a full time job and uh, they were they were very nice to let me uh, continue to tour with Kim the whole time I, I was with them. And um, uh, about a month or so later, uh, Garnett joined the band and um, the rest, as they say, is history. Oh, that's awesome. But uh, I mean, what a legend to work with as well. You know, I think Kim goes down as one of the top guitarists and just like he's royalty of blues. And then, you know, coming from England, you know, touring out here, uh, doing, you know, his just I go back to old school, like the Fleetwood Mac days of Peter Green, like his music, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I put him on that that precipice of of those guitar legends but not just it's i mean even listen to this album i mean he was just he's still a badass you know when you i'm sorry but he you you know i i, I it was just it was double heartbreak when jeff beck went too and i'm like yeah i mean it, these they were both very um innovative in guitar playing but still had that soul you're gonna have all the technique in the world but they brought this soul especially kim this the grit the soul um it's so yeah. there, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I I consider him in that group, too, you know, with Clapton and, you know, all those guys. Uh, John Mayall. Um, so, yeah, Stan Webb. Did, did, didn't Eric Clapton get him started? 
Kim Simmons? Kind well, of got him inspired a little bit? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt that he was inspired by him, but I think Kim was already playing. Kim's a little bit younger, but mm -hmm. only by about four years, so I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Pat might know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, I think Savoy Brown was actually opened up for the first cream show they did in london yeah they just they did a bunch of the if i remember it some of the first zeppelin shows and some of the first uh cream shows back then but those guys would all be playing the same clubs it would be you know jeff beck and it would be uh, fleetwood mac and like uh, garnet said chicken shack it, all those guys were playing the same venues at that time yeah. they were like the sort of like the second wave, you know, the, with the art, you know, the arbors already have preceded them. Uh, yeah, those Rolling Stones, that those guys, the animals. How, how did Kim feel about blues today in the in the scene now? And then for each of you, how are you feeling about where where what happens from here? Because I I feel like he's still like um, inspired younger artists. Like yeah. people looked up to learn. So for you, Garnet, what do you think that when you guys were touring and playing with them, recording that uh, younger artists coming up and still keeping the blues alive, man? Yeah, I think uh, one thing Kim was with keeping his, um, you know, his inspirations alive as far as blues and blues rock. I mean, he was he never really strayed far off. I mean, OK. Maybe in the '60s and the '70s, there were a couple albums uh, that that he stretched out a little bit. But in recent years, especially, I mean, he always he always had a really and he continued with that. And yes, I do think we lost you for a second. <laughs> Come okay. back. but I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Good. So. Uh, you know, yes, I do think he was an influence on a lot of younger players. And uh, uh, it was cool also, uh, as far as the fans, I do remember, uh, you know, older fans coming out with their grown children, you know, and so it was generational. And, uh, yeah, I think he, he was very uh, inspirational to uh, younger players. So, uh, yeah. for Pat, sure. What did you, for you, when you were playing with him, what did you – see his his effect on people and and for you did he did he you know change did well not change what how you play but did you learn from him oh de definitely he was a, a good teacher my playing developed i thought tremendously uh, working with him uh he was kind of a taskmaster and um he always wanted to put out the best music he could and we rehearsed quite a bit, uh, and me and Garnett were really into doing that, and really refining and and uh, refining uh, not only our trade but the music we were putting out. As far as um, he really liked the, the the blues scene the way it was going because it was it was still thriving and it's still growing, and he was very supportive of uh, uh, a lot of young players. I know uh, I was uh, doing a festival. Um, with Sean Chambers and Damon Fowler came up to me and he told me what an influence he was on him and what great talks he had. And then we were on the rock legend cruise and, uh, Henry, who was guitar player in heart and now bad company. Uh, he wanted to meet Kim cause he told me he, he would, uh, 
sneak out and go to the Whiskey A Go Go to go see him play. So uh-huh. there was there was a you know he influenced a real lot of people. Just you know he was out there before, not before he was out there so early. It would be hard not to listen to his records and be influenced. You look at David Lee Roth covered three songs on his acoustic record or on his acoustic record on his solo record. Um, Richie Sambora has covered Hellbound Train. Government Mules recently covered uh, Street Corner Talking. Uh, Great White has covered his songs. Charlie Musselwhite. So yeah, he's out there. He's out. People definitely have listened to him. I remember um, Hellbound Train and and playing this and talking to a friend, and they were like. Lisa, how do you know Sideway Brown? You're young. I'm like, if you're into blues and the music and like blues rock, how can you not listen? I mean, it, it's got nothing to do with age. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And right. this was about 20 years ago. So, I mean, now I can't talk like that now, but back then I could. <laughs> but he, he came and you guys came into like one of our old hometowns, Julian in San Diego up in the mountains and played at the Blues Bash. Uh, Rob Bauer uh, used to post, I mean, it, we we did some crazy radio shows with him, and I know Alistair Green came on. And uh, but yep. you, I, you, highlight for uh, Rob as he got to jam with you guys, I think. And and came yeah, he did. yeah, Alistair's yeah. a great guy. Yeah, yeah. I, really yeah, I, rem- that, I remember what? it being quite. I remember it being quite hot that day, hot and dusty. Yeah, yeah, it summer. Cool. It was summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you get any apple pie when you were up in Julian? It's famous Ooh. for it, you know. You're at the winery. Um, I know you're at Mangini Winery. Yeah, I That's... think we, you know what? We're just saying, I think we did get apple pie for dessert. Yes. <laughs> you know that this is the important conversation about blues well listen yeah. food goes with it all yeah. bands need to be well fed as far as i'm concerned you know? yeah no that Let's... was a cool that was a cool little festival they had going there so yeah. is it still well, going chill uh no he he stopped doing that he retired from it all he did one there and one in yuma arizona and he just really worked his butt off to make those happen and and then it was time for rob to go out and get recording with his band and and all of that which is which is great so happy for him and we still i see him on facebook every day and then when i tag him on this he's gonna freak out and he's gonna get mad at me uh-huh. for not bringing him on the show i should have he would have <laughs> loved it he, he, would he really was very good it. at the festival at least he was a really good guy i remember we had a we, really good talk we had a good talk with him but, yeah uh, but I love that area. Is Ramona Romano staged? Ramona. 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 Yeah, it's named after Ramona of the book from Helen Hunt Jackson. Yeah, and the play. Yep. Yeah. What a yeah, great place that is. That guy, I can't think of his name now, but the guy that runs the place is a really wonderful guy, and he's a character. Do you remember his name, Garnett? I can't. I'm blanking right now. I can't remember it off the top of my head. No. Yeah. He is a character. He's from Chicago. That's all I remember. Huh. What a great guy, though. Huh, I have no, I have no, yeah, I don't know. It's been a while. It's been a while since I, I've got to go home for a little, you know, shenanigans because I, I love that town. <laughs> and the thing about that is like those festivals are so precious and it's so important for us as fans to go out to these festivals and support the smaller ones too. Not always these huge ones, but when they're these, those size where people are just, there's like a freedom, like all ages, kids are dancing in the grass. You know what I mean? Everybody's yeah, yeah. just, it's kind of like a big family hanging out at those kind of, uh, of festivals. So um, I'm glad you guys got, to, you got to go to one of our favorite places in the world and, and go there. But I want to talk about the album Blues All Around. Um, and this is out through Cordo Valley Records now. 
Um, but I mean, it, it, it's still very recent since Kim's passing, but he was working on this all last year, right? Um, to, this, right. And did he kind of think this was going to be a, a big deal for his fans later or? Well, you know, Kim was always working. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know that, uh, I'm, I think there was a sense of urgency with this one for sure, but um, he he is, I think he's got enough material even for another record. Wow. So um, what we, we had to do this one a little different uh, because Kim was not feeling a hundred percent, of course. So uh, we were used to recording live uh, right. everything, everything we've done up to this point uh, uh, was live. So uh, Kim wanted to do this. We, we weren't quite sure how to do it. So he sent, um, he sent demos uh, that he had already put together to uh, Pat and myself and Ron Keck, uh, who is the sound engineer at the studio we were working at, Subcat. And uh, we studied it for a bit. And uh, the odd thing was, uh, Pat, we never got to really practice as a band. We we just oh, had wow. to we had to learn it and uh, on our own. And we all Pat and I went in together and uh just started knocking out the tracks as best as we could and uh, so we had to build this thing from the ground up which was a really different experience for us uh, as you know we had done with kim before so uh kim came in i think on the second day and gave us some instructions and uh added some things uh, harmonica and stuff like that so uh yeah but um pat and i just Pat flew up and uh, we met in, in the studio and just hammered it out. <laughs> wow. And uh, it fell together pretty good, don't you think, Pat? Yeah, we we, uh, we played together so long and we knew what Kim wanted, you know, from working with him for all these years, where um, um, we basically did all the tracks. We did like 12 or 14 tracks in one day, Lisa. And uh, wow. I really wouldn't That's change anything. Yeah, it was. But we've always here's the thing about us. We've rehearsed so much over the years and really did our due diligence. It really worked when we've gone into the studio. Sometimes the clock would start about eight or nine. And by 12 o'clock, all our tracks would be done for the record. And, you know, because it's best if you're going prepared and do it like a live show. Because it won't get stale. The energy's there. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Because you, you sang, and you, you know, if you do something three or four takes later, it's like, oh my god, you've lost, you know. the, you've lost the magic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that live, uh, that that get it done now. It, it that's where some of that extra creativity and jam quality comes in. Because he's, it, I know he's like, like you're saying, he's, he's got that perfectionist part of him, but right. it still sounds like this really live jam. You know what I yeah. mean? And I think yeah. that's that's the the cool groove of it, you know? You know, what yeah. I'm comparing it to is like um, in jazz, you got a bunch of guys who'll do what they call the head, you know, and then they play. We, in the studio, to do the record, we would do that basically like that. And then when the solo would come on, then we just would, would open up. And on our live performances, uh, there's some live CDs out. If you listen, we do, that's what we do. We'll expand on the song and take it somewhere and that'll, be, that'll never happen probably again. That was in the moment. And that was the good thing about playing with Kim. And that's why I think we progressed so much, the, the three of us, 
and got to a certain level. We're just who we are. You know, um, I'm not the world's best bass player, but I'm functional. So you just do the best you can, but it's really, you know, it's, it's gotta be coming from the heart. You know, you can't, you can't fake it. You know, it's, it's got, this is what we do and this is who we are. And we just try to have it come across that way. And that's, that was good. But the one good thing, one of the many good things working with Kim is it, it, things were very organic. I would have to say, you know, I think it's interesting too, when you have a tight three, you know, when, when you don't have 20 million people performing at once, I mean, there's great albums with multiple people. And so I'm not going against it. I just think, when there's the core, and obviously you guys being the foundation, the bass and the drums, don't ever mess with the foundation. You ain't got right. you right. ain't got whatever well, without the foundation. But but there's a there's a strength in that where it it's just you yeah, it doesn't get too fluffy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you with a trio, there's no place to hide. I can tell you that. Everybody's yeah. gotta work, everybody's gotta pull their way. Yeah, it's like being a stand-up. You, if you're going to go down, you're all going down. Yeah, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? <laughs> yep. That's for sure. Yeah, really. But but this is this is such a good album. One of one of my favorite tracks on there uh, is uh, "Going South" because uh, going down south. That I don't know. It feels mm -hmm. and Gypsy. Well, I started going through and going, well, which this to play this one to play that one, and and I the whole thing is highlighted. And that's I mean I, <laughs> that's it's great. not yeah. <laughs> But like, so I think that's the other part of it is he's got that slight edge of psychedelia and that buildup. You know, it's like that buildup. You you know it's going to go. You're going to go. You're going to levitate as our friend Willie Kellogg, the late drummer. He used to uh, drum for uh, Flying Burrito Brothers, Canned Heat, and Johnny oh, yeah. Hooker and stuff. He used to tour with them. And sadly, he's passed too. But he would teach me like, no, we're going to levitate, man. Well, he was always <laughs> levitating in his own way. But he was to <laughs> levitate. And, and and that was the thing. He's like, you've got to build it up, but have that strong. He was the yeah. shuffle king. We called him. Like you still have to keep building, and that's an interesting thing. And I think that comes from that tightness of being the three, the drums and the bass, and then the guitar can be wild around that strength of pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah, you know. Hey, some shows with Can Heat. They were they're they were pretty funny. I thought. Yeah. yeah I, I used to play with Joe Scott Hill, Joel Hill Scott, Joel, Joe Scott Hill, and then Willie stabbed him at a concert in Julian. Really? Well, because Joel was a little nuts at the time, like he was a little high, and I put this concert on at Bailey's, and yeah, Joel, Joel was a little what he was, he was on stuff, man, and oh. little Willie, Willie's got you know little Willie, and he has his little uh, cane, and so mm. he comes up to Nancy, my mom, and I, he goes, I stabbed the devil. He was being a pass, <laughs> and I stabbed the devil, man. Now they're both passed on, but um, oh my God. he did. He opened up and was like, just like, shut up, and stabbed him. <laughs> oh my God! And then we had to go on stage, and I was like, oh my God! <laughs> it was, it was a crazy, crazy time. Yeah, he had to be bleeding on stage, though. A right? little bit, just a little bit. He was, um, he barely felt it. That that's how high he was. Wow. Um, yeah. So, but yeah. and and that's a sad thing about that that world you know is, is that and uh but um yeah he, he eventually passed away also cancer uh, he, yeah. he, but he he sat in as a main guitarist for can heat for about two years joel scott hill mm -hmm. is a hell of a guitarist but um but yeah it, that's that's some crazy stuff but going back to you guys performing and and getting these the the uh guitar tracks on here 
it does have some psychedelia to me. Yeah. And some mystical, like the gypsy style. It's like you've got that little bit of magic, like yeah, Kim could, I should say. Yeah, definitely Kim could do that. He would do that in a few songs that I can think of when we would do live uh, shows. He would do that psychedelic kind of guitar work uh, that i that uh, that i think you're referencing and uh yeah it was yeah. cool uh, you could jam off of that for a long time you know and, and then uh, harp but, too his harp playing was really good yeah too. yeah and he, he added some keyboard parts he was he's, he's a pretty solid musician kim was mm -hmm. and uh um yeah. yeah so he had a i think these tracks on this uh, i think they were um older uh, demos uh that he may have stored away for a while i i think and that's how we ended up getting these uh we we um you know they resurfaced and uh, and i think he's got so enough for some more material uh for another uh, recording possibly so there might be another savoy brown recorder re record out there yet so let's let's see that's awesome that'd be awesome i love it i love this album it's cool it's going to be road trip music for us for sure cool. yeah, yeah then, then i'll get a speeding ticket and then I'll, <laughs> i'm going to call you both up and say dudes what did you do <laughs> it's that drive again man that's that drive um so pat what's next for you well, me and Garnett right now, uh, this is another story. We're playing with Sean Chambers. And uh, Sean was with Hubert Sullivan for quite a while. He's, he's actually younger than, younger than me. And he, he's also on the same label we're on. And, uh, and uh, we're, we're playing some shows. They actually will be doing some shows coming up. And we've done a, we've done a few festivals down in, uh, down in Florida. And we got a, a trip planned for uh, up north. We did go to, uh, was it October? We went to Europe with him for several weeks and did a tour there, and it, it, it meshed really good. So me and Garnett are still playing together, and we're hoping to, you know, continue with Sean now for a while. Yeah, Sean is someone who is also on Corto Valley. Nice. So uh, we're label mates with him. Uh, we met Sean. A few years back when we were touring with Savoy Brown uh, in Iowa at a festival, Sean had played ahead of us and he wanted to meet Kim and um, we all kind of hit it off. So uh, uh, Sean and Kim sort of kept in touch uh, frequently, uh, you know, over the last few years. And when uh, it came, Sean realized that, uh, you know, Kim wasn't going to be able to tour um, Sean had offered us some work, which was nice of him. And, uh, we, we got Kim's blessing. We talked to him about it and he was like, yeah, man, do what you have to do. And, uh, so when we were on the road, uh, when we were touring Europe, uh, back in October, uh, sometimes, I don't know, once or twice a week, we'd all four of us would get around the phone and, uh, the three of us in Europe and we'd, we'd, uh, you know, talk with Kim for a while and he was always full of advice and, and wanted to know what we were up, up to. So we, we were, we were pretty keeping in close contact with him. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, it. It seems cool. that coming from you know this conversation that, uh, and we'll go to you, Pat, on this is that it, it's a relationship. Like you couldn't do all of this and tour if you didn't get along. Right. <laughs> 
the way we came into the band, both of us, was different than most groups, too. I, I, I met Kim back, I think, in 88, and we had become friends, and we, we would just talk, you know, just about life and, you know, just just talk. And um, when he asked me to join the band, he, I, or, I had already recorded um, four or five projects with him, and Garnet had done some too. So we had a relationship where he already knew us and knew what we were about. And he really appreciated our work ethic. And we, we did get along, you know, there were, there's moments that, in any relationship where it isn't perfect, but we got along really well. And um, it came out in the music. We really were a team and mm. uh, we played that way on stage and we took care of each other off the stage. We, um, it, it, it really was ideal. Um, when we were doing it, I knew this was like an unusual uh, thing that was happening with, within the group uh, where you're, you, you got guys that don't argue. They just work together and and try to do the best they can. But, you know, every once in a while, you know, you you, you, not, not, you just got to think about what the other guy is trying to do and, and work with them and, and make them better. That's what a team does. You know, any team, football team. Well, basketball. yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to add to that a little bit. I mean, I think, first of all, I'd like to say uh, that I th I'm honored that Pat and I, I think, were the longest running rhythm section that Savoy Brown ever had. And I think that had to do with our friendship, you know. So uh, we never had a road manager the whole time Pat and I were in the band. It was us. Uh, Kim's wife, Debbie, would often, uh, well, she always uh, booked the flights, booked the hotels, mm -hmm. adva advanced the shows. Um, she would often sell merch for us. And when we were on the road, it was, you know, Pat and Garnet did most of the road manager stuff. And uh, uh, it was just us managing us. It wasn't so, so it was, we were, we were sort of lean and mean, but we all knew what we had to do and, uh, it, it worked out pretty good uh, that way for us for quite a while, almost 14 years. Yeah. That's, that's a while. That's a, that's, you know, especially touring, right? Touring is rough. It's, yeah. Cause you know, I was just talking about that with another interview with a, another musician about like you're on the road and then how do you not get a high from the performance and then calm down to get rest and then keep going, you know? Right. Yeah. And, because it, it is. I mean, do you still get that high when you're on there and like, wow, people are digging it and the energy in the room, people, you know, dancing crazy. Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. So it's hard. Definitely. To I, I think that the difference, though, <laughs> with, with uh, you know, when we were younger, what, what did we do? Well, we were we were feeling great after a show, maybe. And what did you do? You stood up, you stayed up all night long drinking yep. and having a good time. And <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, the difference is we, we, I think we were all adults at this point. So, <laughs> so we were, we, you know, it was like, okay, we, but that, that was great, but we, we probably ought to get to the hotel so we can sleep, you know. <laughs> but I think it it's changed now, even like for the younger musicians, now they're like, you know, doing smoothies, they don't drink, they don't smoke, they don't do any of the, yeah, you know, they're all clean, you know, it's like, oh, well, you learn, especially for voice, like you're not supposed to smoke or drink and, I can't say I didn't. I know I I failed miserably. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and, and not yeah. and behaving myself. You know that that didn't last very long. Um, yeah. yeah, no, you have to have a good time. And I swear to God, it's like 
you know, if you, I, I feel like you should have a little bit of that taste of the rock and roll blues lifestyle. <laughs> and just, just a little, you know, doesn't mean yeah. you have to go crazy, but just a yeah. little, you know. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys and had it. And fun. I can remember, <laughs> I can remember, oh my gosh, the early days where you would, I, you drive home all night after something like that and you get home in the, you know, the birds are chirping and the sun's starting to come up. You're going, oh, man, I've been out all night, you know. So, yeah, we, we got rid of those days. <laughs> those days are behind us. Pat, Pat's still doing it, though. Oh, yeah. Pat, well, he's in another universe. You can see you that. See? Yep. Pat doesn't go to sleep ever. He's permanently no. beamed up. <laughs> right. I have a hard time sleeping. I really do. Yes. <laughs> I can't I can't sleep. I remember yeah. we came back from... Um, Japan one time and I got off the plane and I went right to work oh, and uh, I walked in they go what are you doing I go I can't sleep and if we came from Europe I never would I'd always be up that to the next day you know yeah, it's hard. some people you know some people they acclimate differently I I don't know well isn't it hard <laughs> too it's like you're working on a song where you can you're it like you can't shake it until you get it down you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. i think that's kind of brilliant too like you're saying is like get it down do it yeah. move on otherwise it sits there and if you try to go to sleep man you can hear the drum like i that's i have a hard time because of music I, i'll start if it starts in my head that's it i'm screwed mm -hmm. for like a week because it'll just stay and rotate and rotate i can literally <laughs> see the record spin in my brain so does, <laughs> does that happen to you guys when you're working on an album or or do you well, just move on, like, once you got it? Well, I mean, with Savoy Brown, anyway, I mean, Kim was the always the premier songwriter, so he wrote all the songs. So I'll bet you that went on with him, yes, for sure. In <laughs> fact, we would we would talk about that sometimes where something would be bothering him. But, and, and we would often end up with, you know, different versions of the same song, you know. <laughs> so it might... You know, with key changes, lyric changes, uh, shuffle. You know, one's a shuffle, the next one's a rock beat. You know, so we he kept trying stuff until we got it to work. You know, but I, I remember that one time I know we were, we were in Santa Cruz at Mo's Alley, and we were rehearsing at sound. We were doing like a sound check, and he had an idea for something, and he looked at Garnett, and Garnett was playing something. He goes, Garnett, don't play the first thing that comes to your head. Remember that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was looking at him going like, what did you say? <laughs> what do you mean don't play the first? Thing? You got to play the I second thing. Let me the go to the next thing one right now. That, that, <laughs> that was hysterical, Lisa. That that sounds like what Nancy always says to me. It's like, don't say the first thing that comes into your head and that's too late. Yeah, yeah. Guess, yeah exactly. It's the first thing that came in my head. What are you supposed to do? I know. Yeah. What, sit on it? No. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, funny. man. Well, so... <laughs> These songs, did he tell you, like, about writing, you know, writing these ones? I know you want to play Texas Love. Um, so did he tell you about any of the stories behind the songs or you just get into it? And Well, this is a good opportunity to share share a story about one of the songs that involved Pat and I. So <laughs> what uh -oh. happened was uh, <laughs> uh, with California Days Gone By, uh, the, the demo that Kim sent, um, didn't really match the lyric. So uh, we didn't really know what to do about it. And uh, 
I do remember Kim saying, I hope we can keep this song uh, because he really liked the story. It was about, you know, basically about a band hanging out in California in the days gone by, the 60s. And so uh, it was kind of autobiographical, I think, for him. Uh, anyway, the, the tune was kind of, it needed a rock groove or something. And it was more of a, Country. country yeah it was kind of a country Kim went so, country yeah, yeah, so, really it was like weird it so, was like uh, Kim left funny. the studio Kim left the studio that day and Pat and I just continued to play grooves for about an hour until <laughs> until we landed on something that we thought might you know play the might, hundredth thing that you thought that came to your head yeah yeah we were playing the hundredth thing that came to our mind that day and I remember Ron Keck, the engineer, just basically had his finger on the record button for an hour, you know. Oh. So that was cool. So what? we, so what we did, so what you're listening to on the record was finally something we landed on that that you know we thought might be more reflective of the space that Kim was trying to get you in, you know. When he wrote, did he write the actual like? notation of music or would it be chords and then you'd listen to what he played and go from that yeah no, he, he was just was, yeah, the, go demo. Ahead, yeah, yeah. The, the demo it was, it, be, the demo. it was usually just be him with a guitar um you know so, uh, sometimes he would throw he had a drum machine he would throw behind it to give give me an idea of what beat he was thinking about or something like that. But uh, often it was just him and the guitar. and uh, Or a lot of times we would get to rehearsal and he would show us what he was thinking, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so, yeah. But not writing it down the actual notes. I wonder no. how many people read music these days, you know. If it's, you know, I don't even know yeah. if it's necessary with the way technology is and with computers, you know. Right, Do you yeah. read music, Pat? I, I wonder how many people are actually playing their instruments. <laughs> Don't start. How many people yeah, are actually singing without, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. I saw a good thing on Frank Zappa, and, man, his manuscript work was just incredible. I mean, he wrote everything out and it, on manuscript, and it's, it's, it, it's unbelievable to look at. There's a documentary. I think it might be on Amazon Prime or one of those shows. uh but I was shocked at his uh, his. You can believe his manuscript work. It was just it's phenomenal what he did. He's he wrote a genius. All the, oh my god, yeah, yeah. He he really it, was like yeah. I mean, and a perfectionist. Yeah, and the Captain Beefheart stuff. I mean, those guys were definitely still years ahead of what people could comprehend. I think you know. I got to luckily I got to see him. He was he was. I remember Ruth oh. Underwood was in the band and Ainsley John. It was really they were brilliant. Brilliant Daddy. musician. Have you read his biography that he wrote? No, I haven't. Oh my God, he 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 nails every like every type of musician. Like basically, if you're a keyboardist, you're like I, I can't say all the words. I can. I'll behave. I can't say the first thing that comes to my head. Yeah. <laughs> back to that. But anyway, he basically just attaches uh, each musician style or or instrument. You know, if you're a keyboardist or a bass, you have guitarist to a personality and this is the personality of a lead guitarist this is the personality of a rhythm and then i started thinking about it and i was like "Ooh, 
and that's kind of bitchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but quite yeah. true. But quite yeah, true. He was, he was really, really brilliant. I mean, I just he was one of those guys I just stumbled upon. Uh, we're talking to somebody else. Uh, how did you stumble upon the blues? And we, I, me and Garnett basically stopped bands that were playing, you know. And when they started coming over, they were like, you know, you started listening to the material and like, where did this come from? I mean, that's how I discovered Muddy Waters and, you know, John Lee Hooker, any of those bands. It was because over here, you, where would you listen to them back back in the 60s? In the 70s, where would you hear these bands? They weren't on the radio, you know. I mean, it, it was. And everybody uh, else made money off it. We were doing this, talking about this on our. We have our uh, big daily blend show on Spotify, and we were we go down the rabbit hole of music every single day. We're like, mm-hmm. what happened on this day? And then, you're like, who's who stole what? Who really wrote what? Who, who right. like you think about all those uh, black blues guys and and women who never made a dime off of what mm-hmm. they wrote, and it's you know being used to this day, and people mm-hmm. are making so much money like look at yep. spoonful you know i was like yep. saying that the other day and i'm like you know how many people have made money off a of spoonful you know yeah yeah but it's cool that you guys are still performing and moving forward i i really do hope a second album comes out but please keep us posted as you keep moving forward with your gigs and tours and all of that good stuff. It is just Definitely. a pleasure to hear this album. Uh, everyone blues all around. Get it now. And you can go get it on Spotify. But um, are there hard copies of this for people to get? Oh, yeah. People- cool. Uh, cool. Amazon and uh, at our website. Yeah, uh, sandboybrown.com. Yeah, yes. You can also check Kim's artwork out. Oh, um, God, I wanted to bring that up. That's yeah. he, he does have some psychedelia in him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was a he was a great a great artist, and uh, you can if you go to the Savoy Brown website, you'll get a lot of information there uh, and other on other discs and a lot of Kim's art there. So Mm. it's a good place to go. And uh, uh, yeah, I I should mention too. I mean, uh, Pat and I know firsthand. uh, Kim was a pretty good cook too. He would he would cook for us sometimes. Great Indian cook. Oh, yeah. that's that's awesome! Like, yeah. well, you know how many musicians, especially the songwriters, um, are really good chefs. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it's, like, that, it's it's weird. It, it well, Those it's about creative. It's creative. Yeah, creative. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of songwriters do art. You know, uh, Annie Haslam. Have you seen her art? Um, mm. Oh my gosh, uh, she's she just uh, she paints on guitars. And oh it's yeah, like trippy, trippy, cool stuff. But like Joni Mitchell and Grace Slick, yeah. you know. And then, hey, President George Bush is an awesome artist. How the hell did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I check didn't know out that. His art. I'm like going, like, yeah, you, you, yeah, that it's amazing art. But I'm just even Dylan and his, you know, iron work and everything, because creativity never ends, man. It, it yeah. there's no limits to it, you know. So, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, I dig it. Cool, yeah. guys. Well, listen, you take care. We're gonna uh, play another song from the album. We're gonna close it with Texas Love. That's for all of you on YouTube and Spotify. Um, and everyone, again, go to SavoyBrown.com. Thank you so much for joining us here on Big Blend Radio. Thank you, right. Lisa. Appreciate thank it. you, Lisa. Take yeah, care. thanks for having us. Mm-hmm.